Namo tassa pagoato rahato summa sambuddhasa Namo tassa pagoato rahato summa sambuddhasa Namo tassa pagoato rahato summa sambuddhasa Buddhang dhammang sangham namasami Um, through the through the retreat through through meditation, you're getting um, more feeling, more uh, reflection, more ways of of knowing yourself or knowing knowing your mind. Really um, experiencing more fully. Just how how vibrant, how uh, productive it is, and it becomes um, so contemplating the mind or this uh, looking in insight into the mind is a, is a very rewarding, and uh, it's a kind of a practice that is a whole lifetime really and it's a constant practice actually. it's a it's, it's a not on an on off practice or if it is you can recognize that that idea occurs in your mind right <laughs> I mean this is a very total sort of practice because saying the idea of enlightenment is something happening in your mind the idea of being deluded is a, a perception in the mind, attachment and non-attachment. Any of these that we can make a lot of, or in fact we begin to use, we're guiding our lives around. We can recognize our only movements in the mind when we're looking at it directly. But, uh, most profound um, moving realities are only a movement in the mind. God, death, hell, love, freedom, and it's what? Well, I mean, actually, are there, what is that? Now, we can say, oh, insights and liberation. And I'm saying these are only things in the mind, I don't want to make uh, fun of them so much as to as to as to give one a way of really comprehending and actually having experience of these of this 
and to to know that the as we look at what we really do experience even if it's not none of these particularly profound things it's just kind of very obvious things like walking sitting touching feeling this way or that way there's the feeling of that there's the direct experience of that which where is that where is that how do we directly experience anything this place of direct experience we call, call the mind and this is like the receptivity the attention, the attentiveness of the mind and then whatever we make of that including the, the very uh, ways in which we denote talk about, refer to that is a, is a, is a production a creation some way of, of having of denoting that as this so um, but we can of course miss the we can miss the point and be in fact heading looking for the denotions the, the, the ideas and missing the experience now unless you really understood and, and, and felt what attention is like and listened and taken refuge in that, in that awakening quality, then you can spend a lot of time looking for labels. And putting a lot of effort and experiencing, say, the, the results of effort, you know, which, take, which gives you this particular result, the results of, of um, of applying oneself, of, of putting a lot of sincere effort into it, but what you still can find yourself with, left with is a label, a very, very nice label that is, but essentially something that's just a, a held freedom, that kind of idea. Now, some of these are these, these labels and ideas are so. Uh, worked into our whole way of relating to each other and to our world and to our bodies and to our thoughts and, and so forth that they've, they've acquired a kind of a reality they, they have a profound influence on us they're not just a, say it's just an idea but these have have a secondary reality that's just as in, just as as tangible as touching or tasting. Uh, these move us. Say so freedom of the individual, my right, or something like you know, uh, giving up everything. Hmm. Not such a pleasing idea as a concept, uh, attachment or union or, or whatever so in, in your uh, looking into mind be aware of the ways in which you recognize and 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 label things what is what is behind that when we say this is greed this is hatred this is delusion this is you know that very labeling process has got a, a quality of of some form of uh, uh, aversion to it a lot of the time fascination with it 
looking at something like uh, physical pain knowing something is painful you know you can you can as you as you practice with with things on on that level of the feeling see how much when you you no longer denote that you no longer make that into pain that I must get rid of it's 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 painfulness uh, ceases when freedom is not is no longer something that we we've got to get hold of you know, it's we've we've freed ourselves from that particular compulsion freedom can become a, a tremendous burden as an as an idea as a notion that we we believe a lot in we feel strongly about the most uh, moving ideas isn't it freedom what do we look for we look we're looking for freedom because there's this 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 feeling of being restricted in our life that we don't like you know being hemmed in the there's the the possibility of something more that we haven't got yet there's the limitation of our lifespan nobody really likes that limitations of our strength and that's not that's a that's a kind of dampening feeling isn't it? the limitations of our memory or our sense faculties our intelligence our endurance our love I mean, how loving are we are you loving enough oh dear <laughs> another one I've failed on I'm not a caring enough person the limited isn't it how caring do you have to be before you finally lived up your expectations of, of how, how loving and caring you should be you can always find yourself getting um, backed into a corner with one of these how honest are you? are you really being honest? I don't think I'm really being honest are you sharing? are you committed enough? oh no (laughs) so we feel limited by what? by the imagination that there could be more I could be a better person than I am. I could be more loving, more committed, more sincere. And I could make a lot more effort. I need, don't need to, and then what? Then the things that we perhaps think that, uh, um, like the limitations we have. I could, you know, I, I'd like to be able to get past those. Wouldn't like to, to sleep so much, or nice not to have to sleep so much. Well, things that we find are restricting about ourselves. Why am I so stupid? Why can't I? You know, why is my, my concentration so feeble? One breath a day and then total blur the rest of it. And surely I could be better than that. 
uh, limitations are a, are a burden, aren't they? Why? Because at that time there's the, the possibility that we could be otherwise. If we said that, you know, that the, the pinnacle of perfection here is one breath a day, right? <laughs> just, get, just get one. That, that's it, you know, you get the gold star and everything you ever wanted in your life. Then of course it wouldn't no longer be a problem, would it? Okay, we find a way of making a problem about it, I'm sure. Because this is something we're unlimited in. <laughs> Our abilities to imagine and to to proliferate and to expect. Our our minds do that, don't they? They always can extend. You think of a number and you, so you can always think of one bigger than that, can't you? You can always extend. You ever, when you're a child, ask those questions, why? Till your mother told you to shut up. And why, why are the stars up there, you know? How big is the universe? When did time begin? All these kind of questions that just go beyond because our minds, the thought is limited, knowing it, understanding is limited, and then we. But what it what it always can create is the possibility of there being more. There being a, there being a beyond another. Beyond the limitation. And you just try to think of infinity. It just you can't do it, can you? I can't anyway. My mind can't do that. I try to imagine the. If I try to imagine the universe, if I think of the universe, then maybe I get a very big, huge black thing with lots of you know trillions and zillions of stars in it. But it's always got a boundary around it. Can you imagine a place something that doesn't have any boundary to it? Where's the edge of infinity? Where's the edge of the universe? If there's a universe, there must be a, somehow a place where it stops and then. So we can't really, our minds can't imagine infinity, so they always conceive of limitations and something beyond that boundary. So the, where's the boundary of the universe? This is what we, we I mean my mind cannot think of, a, of something that doesn't have an edge to it where there's something beyond that. freedom from every kind of boundary and this is a, we, we look for that because we conceive of limitations we, we can't conceive of freedom the possibility of actually being free at this moment is totally ridiculous to us you know, I'm not free of all these things that you know, you know stuck within this you know, these habits and these kind of moods you know, trapped in here I've got to be at work on Monday, and I've got to, you know, I'm not free at all. I'm a free person, stuck within limitations. But the limitation is, is what? Is, is, the, is that edge we place between the possibility of something beyond and where we are now. Mm. Beyond the edge of the universe. Is we, we can only conceive of the universe as a limited place. 
the world is a limited place, ourselves as limited beings. Because we, we can recognize that, that edge, mm-hmm. things that, which is what? Which is, the edge for us is what I know, and then there's, then there's the possibility, there's the ending of the known. There's the feeling of not knowing, of, of the, so that, that's the edge, isn't it? Where what I am, what I feel I am and can do and can be and can hold and can control, how far does that go? And at that point, I feel, well, as far as it goes, where it stops, then that's where I feel bound. I'm only so strong, so concentrated, so intelligent, so this degree I can measure it, and then it ends. You know, the limitation, being bound into. And then I can, within that, this mind can think, if only, if I could be a little more of this and a little more of that, and get beyond that, then there will be freedom, possibility of freedom. Now, what we say experience in our lives is that this is always this pushing against this this edge, isn't it? Pushing against this boundary, or 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 feeling of just hopeless or give up and sink within it, and and feel very very just limited. And we die when we just give up to that, don't we? Internally, we die. We we something in us dies. Our sense of 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 life, of vitality, of enthusiasm, dies. We we feel like uh, that there's nothing to live for. If we if we are not going against that edge and somehow extending it, pushing it out, getting to know a little more, getting to develop a little more of this, go to a new place and broaden my mind or have a different experience, just kind of keep, keep pushing that boundary out so that the sense of being limited and restricted is, you know, I can I have no freedom to travel all over the world. That's a nice idea, isn't it? Or I used to envy Superman, you know, Superman comics, who could, you know, the, the perfect human being, would fly in the air and see through walls and, uh, you know, balance planets on his finger, hold his breath for hours, Superman, the, the limitless being. It would be nice to be like that. Without recognising that Superman probably, you know, if, if I was Superman I'd probably be guilty, worried, rushing around trying to solve everybody's problems, <laughs> constantly hassled for autographs and things, wondering whether my ego is too inflated and perhaps I ought to, to you know, make it up with Batman or in case I was intimidating him. <laughs> Not being fair and free and equal with everybody else was a bit, you know, was perhaps I needed to have my ego readjusted. Fortunately, Superman always had kryptonite around. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, it would, life would have just been impossible for him. So he, he could, if 
feel restricted by something, and that was that possibility of you know the the threat and the danger and the excitement of maybe my secret identity will get blown. You know that was the thing with Superman, Kryptonite, and Clark Kent. Though I never figured out who, why, anybody, what, should, what difference that would make if his secret identity did get blown. So perhaps he'd have to sign more autographs or. But those are just the things that keep Superman alive. Clark being, having to have a secret and having the possibility of being annihilated or, or sent crazy or something. Is what keep, keeps in the sense of being alive, a limitation. Now for us, it, this is what we're doing is it, in our life. The kind of the thrill of it is, is extending ourselves a little bit more. Now this is um, what are called this becoming. Uh, a strange word to use as a, as a noun, as, a, as some kind of thing, a becoming process, a, and always a tendency to move in flux, to not be static, to, to, to go from, or to incline from one, a place where, where the, the we are, or the, the kind of the, the isness of our, of our of our world into the possibility of the future of another place, of things being better or things being worse, even becoming degenerate or becoming enlightened, becoming one way or another. But what we can always witness, because our life has been one of a constant becoming. You know, just the, the process of nature is one where we seem to be becoming older, or you know, becoming more popular or less popular, becoming wealthy or, or not, growing one way or another or decreasing. It's a moving, so much so that this is what we feel our life is. It's a becoming. If you're not becoming, you're not alive. You're just You've given up, you're a nobody, you've sunk into a kind of inert state if you're not becoming something. All the, so we can pick up uh, pursuits, hobbies, pastimes, so forth, causes, I, you know, great causes we can champion for uh, noble ideals to extend that, that boundary. But for all of us, there's that recognition, the final boundary is what? The death of the individual, or possibly even death of the species. One day the whole planet will go up into the sun and be just a little toasted piece of charcoal. So we share that with the, the dodos and the passenger pigeons and the whales and whatever. The species and the individual, and the planet itself, and presumably, who knows, the solar system and the, well, the whole universe, is 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 limited. In in the sense of that, it's born and dies. We have to live within that. That's the that's the boundary that we never get beyond. Seemingly, on the on the sensory plane. These bodies do that. 
everything that's in in becoming is born and dies. Everything that has that 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 sense of a of a boundary, a sense of a progress in time, and extending that edge of what we are, or, or it, it goes to a point and then it dies. So we can say that about uh, not just the intellectual process, uh, trees or whatever, uh, insects, animals, these bodies, they, they kind of extend, they get bigger and stronger and, they, and so forth, and they, they reach their edge in time, when, and then there's the dying of them. These thoughts, when you, you look at thought, it comes up and it rises to a point, and then it, it stops or it passes away, it dies, doesn't it, it ends. And the most, the, the enthusiasm we have for our practice, the, like the more the emotive qualities, the irrational qualities, also do this. So we can feel enthused and charged up and, yeah, we're really going to make it somewhere or develop something or get along. That feeling of, that drive to, to, uh, to extend ourselves itself is born, changes, and dies, ends. Now, not you know, this is just um, something to look at. I'm not trying to make anything final about that, but so that we're contemplating, because to to seek enlightenment, or even to to finally base the Dharma practice upon what is born and dies, will never take you beyond. The limitations will never take you to freedom. It'll only take you as far as it can go before it too changes. So, of course, as we can see about any attitudes we have, even the, the good ones, it's not that they're not good, but these are all all vehicles. So, in Dharma practice, we have to recognize we can use so far concentration, so far can we use uh, faith, so far can we use. Um, enthusiasm or aspiration. Uh, sometimes you feel you, you're you're really dealing with important issues in in your practice, and that that's quite even a challenge is not a problem really for us. We like that kind, you know. Even if it's really rough, something in in us it's the it's the makes us think. Well, this is at least you know something I need to sort out. I've got to come to terms with. It. So we feel. Maybe we back off for a bit, but really it kind of invigorates us. Even the, the most uh, uh, unpleasant problems can, can in fact stimulate a, a desire to, to get past, to overcome that, that limitation. In fact, if you've got a lot of driving energy, you've probably got a lot of driving problems too. The two, go, two tend to go hand in hand. Uh, they're coming from the same source, really. Uh, uh, this power of becoming. And if you're a person who who, uh, who who tends to the becoming energy tends to move into becoming depressed and 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 sort of more negative and and subdued, then that regenerates itself. We, we, our very feeling of being able to deal with it also is conditioned by that. So we don't feel we can deal with it. What, what is most depressing about depression 
is the feeling that we shouldn't have it. We get the very emotion itself tends to condition a sense of of uh, of hopelessness. Nobody has to worry about dealing with happiness. Nobody comes and says to me, "I had these happy moments the other day." Even though happiness is impermanent, changing, and not self, nobody complains about it. Or thinks, like, "How do I, how can I cope? Learn to cope and come to terms with my happiness?" But depression is something we feel we we have to solve, sort out. We feel that the happiness is is a is a freeing state, and depression is a limiting one. You know, limitations are things to be overcome, aren't they? And depression seems to be a limiting thing. But all that depression does is it, if it's not seen through, is it gives rise to this uh, to, to us feeling that we are depressed people, and feeling stuck with it, something we don't like. Happiness, when we attach to it, makes us feel we are happy people, or we are, you know, this is a good state, and then we hang on to that. So either of them cause attachment if they're not seen through, and neither of them actually last. Both of them limit our freedom in as much as we identify and attach and don't see through them. So there are no, no real obstacles apart from the self-view, the attachment. This is, our, this is the, the boundary that you need to overcome in meditation, not the limitations of your emotional vigour or your concentration, your ability to endure pain or your or uplifted-ness or your clarity of mind whether you're starting to get go irrational and giggly or loopy. It's not, this is not, you know, these are just things that, that we go through in, in meditation practice. As you're going through it, know to yourself that you're going through it. Rather than, I shouldn't be going through it right now because there's something else I should become at this moment. When I've, I'm feeling depressed, I should be becoming happy. If I'm, if I'm, getting going uh, kind of to irrational mind states, I should be beginning clearer and more rational. So we're beginning to end the, the, the sense of limitation by putting aside the alternatives. When there's, no, when there's no alternative, there's no boundary, there's no edge, there's no limitation. Things are as they are. So, because when things are as they are, and we're totally with that, we're no longer pushing that, that saying we have to develop within that, or develop through it, or develop beyond it. So the very sense of extending ourselves beyond where we are now, right, when we begin to put that aside, the, the, the feeling that there should be something other that we can get into, you put you put that aside. The whole then the whole feeling of being limited is put aside, because there isn't anything else to to be right now. 
So this is no longer a restriction, is it? It's a form, but it's not a restriction. This body, this mind, this emotion, this feeling, this situation, this life, this personality is not a restriction as such. It's, it's the way it is. But because it can't be other than that way, then we're not looking to, to make it into anything else. So the, the, that drive in us to change this into that which makes us feel that there could be something else, and so right now we haven't got enough, is resolved, is, is finished. And then one feels a, a great freedom, a great relief, a great, this is the way it is. It's this way. That, that's, that's a, a statement of, of freedom. If boundlessness means there are no boundaries, and uh, when it, to have no boundaries means there must be no alternative, nowhere else other than where we are now. Now this is not possible on the sensory level. On the sensory level, say that physical form is definitely, there's an edge to it, isn't it? You can find it. And you can move it around. You say, I don't want to be in this hall, I'll go to my room. I don't want to be in America, I'll go to Mexico. We can do those kind of things. So these are, these, the, the sensory forms, like the physical, the body, for example, is, definitely has a, a limitation, a place in time and space that it goes through. It's born and dies, it's within that limitation. It occupies only one space at any one time and there's the possibility of it going to another place. But when you're looking into the mind, where is the mind? You know, when we're really looking into that. And everything, the universe, is in the mind. And it doesn't mean you've got a whole host of galaxies in your, in your skull. We're not talking about this as a, as a, as a sensory experience of, of finite objects and forms, but, but we're saying when we say the universe is in the mind, we're talking about what we experience. Everything that, that possibly is possible for us to experience any one time, we're experiencing now. On the, quali- the, the sensory quality, that changes. Sometimes we're experiencing America or Mexico or England or Japan or experiencing age or experiencing pain or experiencing busyness or experiencing being with people. The actual appearance of it changes. But what doesn't change is the fact that it's all, there's the experiencing, the way it is. And at any given time, it's exactly the way it is and it's not anything else. (laughs) It couldn't be anything else. It, and, and because of the way things are, it doesn't have to be anything else. It changes. Things change. And it's not self. So we're not identifying that. So we don't feel oppressed by it. You don't say, I am always stuck in these feelings, this thought, this emotion, this crummy body, 
this place I'm fed up with because there isn't anybody, there is no self so is, that we can see that like you sit in this meditation hall and how, how possible is, is it to retain as some kind of permanent perception the, the idea of actually you being in this meditation hall just, you know, as, as an experience there's what? well, there's a room, ceiling, lights fans, people, exercise, curtains curtains are a little bit off, aren't they? And you think, oh, it reminds me of my grandmother's curtains you're out of the meditation hall back to your granny and granny, she used to do you know what my granny used to say? she used to bake that really nice bread and you know, back 20, what, 20 years ago already back to granny Okay, back to the meditation hall. I'm sitting here in the meditation hall. Right, what about the feeling? There's feeling of the pressure in my legs. And I get a lot of pain when I sit. If I sit much longer, I'll probably start to feel those searing pains in my knees. I know there's a good chiropractor in, in Nebraska somewhere. We're off in Nebraska with a chiropractor. Oh, right, here we are. Okay, meditation hall. You know, in fact, it's, you you can't. Not only you need to be restricted by it, you try to be restricted by it. You, you can't stay for one moment, can you? Even when we look at it, we, we're not in it for one moment at all. Even because, what can you experience the totality of this meditation all in one moment? No, you just experience, say, seeing one bit of it, thinking about it, feeling something within it, the temperature. You experience some kind of fragmentary, momentary, sensory experience that you, you lump together and say, oh, I'm sitting in the meditation or feeling warm, pressure in my legs, thinking about a chiropractor in Nebraska. This is what I am. I wish I wasn't that way. But when you look at it very clearly, one moment of time, you're not, you're not there. There's what? There's a, a feeling, a thought, an emotion, a mood, a memory, a, a, a counter-memory, a not wanting to remember that, a struggle and irritation and thinking about maybe going another retreat to stop struggling. <laughs> you know, and then what did he say yesterday? And, oh, why can't I remember these things? And, 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 and uh, Granny back in somewhere or the other. And so forth. He's not there for one moment. So the... Do we need to be, what do we need to be freed from? Do we need to be freed from, we think, oh, if only I could get out of here, get out of this place, get out of this feeling, get out of that mood, stop having that nasty experience. We don't have it <laughs> in the first place. It's just what, there's the attaching and the whole process of, of the way that this, uh, the, unknowing or the inattentiveness of a mind operates upon the what we receive this associative recognition this the liking and disliking so in the, the in the terms of the dhamma becoming is dependent upon clinging clinging is dependent upon desire desire is dependent upon contact uh, Feeling, feeling is dependent on contact. Contact is dependent upon the sense bases. Sense bases is dependent upon 
this uh, subject and object expressed through the body. So the, the whole thing. And what is becoming, what results become? Becoming leads to birth, birth leads to death. And when we say birth, becoming leads to birth, we see that, that whatever this, this movement in our life to, to become something, however it expresses itself, we take ourselves as being the result of that. We get born into it. This is perhaps figurative. When you left your room, thinking, going to the meditation hall, then you get born into the meditation hall. You know, you, you boom, there you are. Now I'm in the meditation hall. You're not actually in the meditation hall, are you? I think we've seen through that one. But <laughs> as a result of becoming, thinking in the mind, meditation hall, me, then the result is here I am sitting in the meditation hall. Rather than feeling, now if there's direct experiences, feeling, impulse, intention, then the feeling of the carpet under your feet. But even that's an idea, it's just the feeling. And then the moving. And the, how do you want to describe it? In terms of elements, in terms of what was it like to you to come to this meditation hall? Did anybody notice? Where were you at? probably becoming into the meditation hall in order to sit down so that we can get into some some proper you know some practice and if we practice long enough and hard enough we'll find that we'll get liberated right through <laughs> through becoming something something in the future we'll get you know in the future through becoming industrious energetic zestful wise we'll become enlightened you know, and then we can imagine ourselves as, as being that, you know, being born into enlightenment. Here I am enlightened, like Superman. What do enlightened beings do anyway? Look for kryptonite, have secret identities? What will they do to stop getting bored? <laughs> they, they, presumably they don't have to meditate anymore. They, phew, now you're enlightened, you, know, you don't have to sit around meditating, going to retreats and crossing your legs, enlightened beings, got past all that, don't have to try anymore. Phew, don't have to live within these restrictions. But the, more directly, enlightenment is, is meditating. It's, it's, when we say meditating, we mean directly experiencing things as they are. This is what enlightened beings do. They directly experience things as they are. So they're not thinking, oh, or, you know, if that thought arises, go to the meditation hall, the thought arises. They know that thought as a thought coming and going. Then the, the, the impulse to get up and move, perhaps the feeling of being late, you know, that, then, then the emotion that comes up with that, perhaps, oh, I don't care anyway, you know, or, or, the, or the thinking, oh, I don't want to be late and creeping late, everybody look at me, mm-hmm. self-conscious. These arise, don't they? Then the, the sensations in the feet and, and so on. The sitting, and then what, what happens to you from moment to moment? When you come in here, or when you go anywhere, 
where, where are you at? You know, when you're just not, you're just attentive, you know, this is like investigation, choiceless awareness, just seeing the way things are. We're no longer holding on to what we should or shouldn't be, but just where are, where are we at? Are we into, when we come in here, are we really coming to a meditation hall? Or are we moving through anxiety, or doubt, or expectation, or boredom? Or are we feeling sensations, or remembering something, or, well, where are we at? It doesn't matter where we're at, as long as we know where we're at. We're not saying we shouldn't have any kind of feeling, but, but that, to know it where it is. So that then we are, we are meditating. We are directly experiencing our lives as this way. And at each moment, it's this way. It's not the way it should be, it's this way. It's not that it couldn't be any other way at this time. So there's no, in that moment, there's no alternative. And there's no, poss- there's no need to become anything other than that. That moment, of course, is a, it has a changing quality to it. When you're in that, in the moment, when you're mindful, how long do any of these perceptions really hold? If you if you really get to them with a, with a mind that is totally unbiased or is is looking attentively, then the thoughts kind of melt, don't they? Mostly, I suppose we 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 come to our thoughts with a feeling of trying to suppress and and stop and get rid of, because they're getting in my way. So that just what is the result of that? Perhaps you can you can hold down a few, or you get a re- then you get a repressed feeling, and the thoughts bubble up, and they obsess you, because you've made an issue out of them, you've made a problem out of them, you've taken your stand against them, so the very feeling of thinking becomes more dominant in the mind. But when there is, this is the way it is there is a thought. And then when you just, you know that in that as changing, no, you're not thinking it's changing, you're actually, the mind in that, the attention there where allowing things to be as they are, allowing things to change, they no longer bite, they arise and pass away. It's this way, isn't it? Have you been able to, to at some times during this retreat, just the feel, the, the, the sadness, or something you thought that normally would really bite you, and, and, and just, well, it's this way. And, and notice in that, in that moment the unique freedom there is. Strange, elating freedom. That's not found through getting rid of, or because nothing happens anymore, because there's no holding. And then we know there's form, there's thought, there's feeling, there's body, there's consciousness. But, and all of these have their limits, all of these are born and die, all of them are finite, they all are bound into becoming something or another. And they're all full of this possibility and this feeling of being mine, and yet they all come and go and change. And there's the knowing. When the the knowing has no expectation, 
no sense of things having to be otherwise. So the knowing has no limitation, no boundary. So it's free. So this possibility of freedom within the most seemingly limiting, restricted, mundane experiences of, of, of a normal body, the four postures, this planet, the average human being, the possibility of freedom through, through contemplation, through meditation, through wisely reflecting. So the, the irony which is, as long as you don't, if you don't use limitation, you're always creating it. You always limit yourself. You think, well, let's not have any kind of limitations or structures. I want to be completely free of all, all these kind of limitations, of times, of routines, and scrap that. Okay then, you know, say what I want, do what I want, think what I want, whenever I want, so unrestricted. But if one does that and notice our, our society tends towards, as, in, as a kind of romantic ideal, that, that, that perception, doesn't it? You know, the, 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 the images that inspire us are kind of cutting loose, the outlaw, the rebel, the one who got away, the one who, who achieved, who broke through the limitations of, of his existence. These are only ever seen in, in films or in, in novels. Because uh, when people who, who, whenever we follow that, we find actually we just create more limitations around us. Now, in, say, in a, a society such as this one, which is a, a notionally speaking, a free society, isn't it? It, it, uh, it greatly treasures its freedom. And yet I shouldn't think that, although uh, in perhaps one's more uh, patriotic moments, we think, yeah, this is a free country. And yet in yourself, you don't think it's a free country. Taxes, hassle, government. You know. There's all these things that bind, aren't there? Just on the immediate personal level, we don't, we don't feel free. We feel stuck in a crummy job or that. Um, within restrictions. Because the, the very idea has of the notion of freedom has created large expectations that we should find freedom on the, on the sensory level. Uh, so, that we, so that that means that we're always pushing against the limitations of the sensory level, the sensory experience, so we feel bound by it. 
I should be free. So why should I have to do this at this time and do that at that time? I'm a free person, a free woman, a free man. Why should I have to be stuck into these kind of conventional roles anymore? Why should I have to do a job from nine to five or eight to six? If we're freedom. Because we're looking the wrong way, we expect so that we we get uh, our minds just stick onto these these edges, these limitations, rather than realize where freedom can be experienced. Now when we accept limitation, accept restriction, the appearance of it anyway, we begin to realize that we're not restricted anymore. Like when, on a retreat like this, for example, how many, when you, you sit and you contemplate your breath, that's a fairly restrictive mode, isn't it? Can you do it? Can you stay with it? Can you really be bound to a breath? However much people exhort, encourage, urge, threaten, promise all kinds of, say, you, you know, fruits of bliss, enlightened liberation, if you do it, <laughs> plead, wheedle, cajole, still can't, won't do it. You cannot be attached. <laughs> it, is a, it is an impossibility. You cannot actually be stuck into anything. You're always oozing out. So, this is, you know, it's just the way it is. Now, all we're doing when we're, we're really skillfully to, in using meditation themes, is not to really expect total fusion with uh, a meditation object. Any more than expected to have complete dewy-eyed belief in Buddhism or a kind of uh, singing paeans of praise about IMS or me no, as, as something or yourself to feel perfect if I really want to develop this path I should you know I shouldn't have any weaknesses, flaws any kind of ugly selfishness, any selfish desires you'll have, it's one sign that I'm definitely way off centre, nowhere near the, the path, you know. That teacher saying, talking about selflessness and nobility, and all I ever think of is, when I get into that lunch queue, I'm going to get five, five people up the line so I can get more beans on my plate. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about that for the last two hours. I mean, if I do a shimmy past that, that man and that, that old lady, she doesn't move too fast. I just weave round her. Because <laughs> being stuck at the end of the line, you know, they're all very noble for a day or two, but they hey! Then <laughs> 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 so these selfish desires, oh, that's not very nice, is it? But then you think, well, I don't care anymore. <laughs> so we, we tend to think we are these selfish desires because we're either, we either think well I'm going to have it and who cares I am selfish that's the way I am I don't even want to get enlightened anyway I just want to get more beans <laughs> or we can think I shouldn't be, have these selfish desires nasty how long is it going to take me to get past this at this stage 
still hankering after silly little things like that. So the, the, you're not expected not to have these at all, but uh, well, these are almost expected. If anything, you're expected to to, to have these, but as as to to be able to to look at these through uh, the clarity of of contemplation. This is what it feels like, and then to realise that you don't actually have to push it away or hang on to it react to it in one way or another. Maybe you just need to be a little more tolerant. Uh, you know, the only reaction one needs to make to it is to, is to cultivate this, what it needs to be, to see it clearly in an unbiased way as just the way it is now. And then, you know, whatever, this is all you're really cultivating. It's just this, this one movement of the mind you know, for, for transcendence for insight, for liberation, this is all you cultivate, it's just whatever it needs, and it's often not very much, just to see things as they are with dispassion. So all of these things in, in the, in the Satipatthana, everything says just as far as it goes towards dispassion, just towards clarity, just knowing, just the mind is the mind, greed is greed, this is this, that is that, only as far as it goes towards um, liberation, abiding without clinging to anything. These kind of constant reminders. Uh, what does it need to to look at to see greed as greed? You don't have to make a whole issue out of it, but uh, perhaps one needs to develop a certain lightness of touch, or or. You know, if greed to you is something that you, you, you approve of, then maybe you should uh, uh, put aside that approval. If it's, but if it's something that you feel frightened of or ashamed of, then perhaps you should cultivate an attitude of more tolerance towards it, or even interest in it. How does it work? Rather than shun, get away, push down the ugly defilements, but how, well, how is this? Now we're not, it's not to be obsessed with these things or to make personal um, issues out of them. Like now I'm really getting in touch with my greed, I'm doing important, serious work on myself. Don't bother me now, I'm mm. contemplating greed and aversion. It's serious. Okay. You're not making it a kind of a personal odyssey because that's, that's another extremist position, isn't it? But this is just this coolness. This is, greed is like this. <coughs> Having opinions about everybody is like this. Yeah. And this is the way it is. So this, this level of liberation occurs right at the very foundation of where we're at. Not at some outer space extragalactic level, at the other side of the universe. Where is the other side of the universe? Where It's in your mind. <laughs> it's in the knowing. It's where the universe begins and ends. So you, it's where you can get to the edge of the, of the universe there. Anything that begins and ends, and the knowing, the boundary is in your mind and the freedom 
is there. When you get, when you go to that boundary and you see what that boundary, that limitation is constructed of. And it's always very simple things. It's always wanting something you don't have, not wanting something you do have, trying to get what you want. And these, this is a simple formula. You can apply it to just about every quality and state in the physical, sentient, mental, emotional, intellectual, philosophical, spiritual spheres. So you don't, but you only need simple means in this, just these simple reflections. What is it that I don't want right now? I don't want to feel greedy. Okay, that's, that's the problem. And then that's the boundary, that's the limitation. Where's the freedom? The freedom is right there. It's the putting aside the not wanting. You get these very dramatic moments. <laughs> so even like wanting, not saying that you shouldn't want either, but then when you recognise wanting is this way. Because the, when, we, when we have, say, a, 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 a want, we, we want something. What's the problem with that? What's the, what's the restriction with that? is like every kind of desire actually looks towards its fulfillment. We don't really, when we desire something, what we're looking for is that ending of desire. Right? You know, like if, you, if you're hungry and you think, oh, I want to I wanna eat something, I want to eat a big burger or whatever. What actually you're inclining towards is that, is that that hunger will stop, that we'll no, one will no longer want, one will no longer need or lack, one will, will, that desire will have ended. You see something you want to buy, you go and buy it. Then you, of course you don't need to desire it anymore, you've got it. So the desire has ended. So all of our wanting is inclining towards the ending of wanting. 
So one, when we want something, we, you know, that hankering is actually an unpleasant, itching, irritating feeling, isn't it? You know, in, in, when I can I watch that in my mind, you know, if only I could, if only I would like that. Really nice to have one of those, and then two of those. And that, that, is, an, that is a restless, itching, irritating feeling. So then, what we then you, you, you contemplate that you see, what you're really looking for is to get rid of that feeling of not having. So then we accept that feeling. And then the, the struggle ceases. And we we can't we know that feeling come and change desire comes and passes away arises and passes away. The delusion of it, like the delusion of, of desire and becoming, is this the, the mirage. It's like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, isn't it? There's the, always the possibility of that when, if you got to that place, then everything would be all right. I mean, just on a very simple level. If I ate that burger, then you know, happiness, ple- pleasure. And the way that uh, the world of commerce works is it creates the most absurd images, doesn't it? To, to really heighten this, like if you drink a Coke, you'll be surrounded by all kinds of beaming, delightful, radiant beings splashing through the, the Pacific Ocean on a surfboard, just with you know, a bottle of fizzy, whatever it is. It's really not very pleasant either, is it? But the idea of splashing through the Pacific Ocean on a surfboard surrounded by radiant beings is extremely pleasant. So you go and get a bottle of Coke. Not anybody believes that on a rational level, but it just that that emotive sign is is put there, and emotionally something in us desire, you know, the feeling of of what that signifies, of the happiness, of the friendship, of the of the excitement. Is, is, is lodged in the heart. I mean, it, they wouldn't spend billions of dollars on these advertising campaigns if it didn't work, would they? No, it works, because when you know the mind, you know why it works. Because you know the irrational, the emotive, the suggestive, and how powerful these suggestions are. How powerfully these labels, however ridiculous they seem, on the rational level, how powerfully they, they move us. Happiness, excitement, friendship, love, adventure, romance. These are you know, poignant ideas, aren't they? Freedom, enlightenment, liberation. And yet, the, this is what keeps us from ever really experiencing any of them. Because we are looking for uh, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. We're trying to drink the water of a mirage. Not that there is no freedom, love, joy, beauty in our life. But this has to be experienced. Not through trying to become something, trying to get away from that which we, we feel is limited or ugly. Or, or depressing, but by totally being with that as it is. Seeing exactly as it is, 
I find a lot of of um, joy coming up in, in when, a, when life is extremely restricted, a, a joy of, of no longer being concerned or, or bound down by that, of realizing that, that, that it doesn't matter at all, and the possibility always uh, being able to to give something within restricting situations to, the, to either to this body or mind or to those around me, that, that possibility is a, is a joyous one. And to know that that these seeming uh, realities are a mirage, an illusion, just that is a constant sense of of encouragement, of vitality, of, of, of the mystery and the desire to know. When I say the desire to know, I mean the, that inclination into looking clearly that keeps the mind fresh and bright, no matter what the situations are. Now, the, with uh, using wisdom, we have to, we've seen various ways in which you can look at your, just the obvious things in your life in different ways, like the body as, as elements, the breath as light or as a moving, changing thing, there's no longer air breathing through the body, through the nose, through the whole body, breathing through pain, seeing pain as sensation rather than as, as that horrible thing to get away from. No, this is the, the challenge or part of the skillful means that we need to develop. What do, we, what do we assume? What do we take for granted? What do we stick to? What do we feel most, from moment by moment, limited by and identified with? And that's your, that's your homework. And that's perhaps different for all of us. And yet for all of us, if we solve that riddle, it leads us to freedom to recognize that, the, that where we felt most oppressed or bound is actually just a, a shadow, a notion, something we haven't really looked at or accepted or made peace with, something we try to push away or hold on to, and that the, the freedom from that is just as easy, just as straightforward, I don't say it's easy, but it's straightforward as this moment the letting go into it as it is, and what it takes to, to, to do that. The kind of support, the trust, the confidence, the, the choicelessness. Now, now this re- retreat is where are we on Thursday night? Make it like every every day, you know, when you're here or at home or wherever. It's just this moment, isn't it? You could say it's Thursday because only so many more days left to retreat. I'm not getting very far, and, or I could hang on, or I'm not going to get as much out of this retreat as I thought I would. We can create all kinds of pointless limitations in our life. 
It's that which is the most, the thing that we most easily, casually incline towards is, is this kind of coming to these assumptions and conclusions. But don't believe in it. If you, if you really want to, not just to do this retreat, but to live your life freely, truly, fully. Don't, if, you, if these, cre- these limitations get created, examine them. What day are we in? What, you know, where are we at? What is tomorrow? Is there a tomorrow? Where? <laughs> you know, and go back to direct experience. There's memory, there's thought, there's hope, there's feeling a bit depressed or whatever. Know yourself where you're at and then you, you know where your path of freedom is. So I offer this for your reflection tonight. <laughs>